Samir Pandya's novel is members only and refers to protagonist Raj Bhatt's membership at a tennis club. But the title could also refer, ironically, to the way Raj feels out of place no matter where he is. Raj emigrated from Bombay to California when he was only eight years old, and he's never quite managed to feel like he belongs. Not in the tennis club or even at the university where he's a professor. But Raj ends up on a selection committee deciding who can be a member of the tennis club. In the process of interviewing the prospective candidates, he says something so egregiously inappropriate that one would wonder how in the world the novel can extend beyond that moment. But it does, thankfully it does, and we're carried along a rich and complex sort of campus novel guided along by an unreliable narrator, the likes of which Frankly, this subgenre of literary fiction could use for his unique characterization and the ways he allows us to focus in on issues of racial identity. I'm Yvette Benavides, and this is Book Public, a Texas public radio podcast featuring author interviews and book reviews. Books have the power to connect us and help us learn about our world and each other. Rajbat might seem to have it all. He has a beautiful family, a good job that some might consider pretty prestigious, and a membership at a rather posh tennis club. But those outward appearances don't tell the whole story of Rajbat. Like many of us, Raj has aspirations he hasn't quite reached yet, and it isn't for lack of trying or ability, intelligence or skill. It has more to do with the way Raj interprets the things that happen to him, the insensitive things that are said to him as he navigates spaces where he's in a decided power struggle. Soon, Raj's tenuous world crumbles as he becomes immersed in the worst situation that can happen for someone like him who's worked so hard to cling to the good things he has in his life that could evaporate just like that. We spoke to author Samir Pandya from his home in Santa Barbara to discuss members only. How would you summarize it, like the, whole, the back of the book summary for us? The novel, Members Only, is narrated by a 40-something Indian American narrator named Raj Bhatt, who is a lecturer of anthropology in the town that he lives with and his that he lives in with his family. He also is a big tennis player, and the novel opens on a Sunday evening at a membership meeting for his tennis club. And he is there particularly because he would like to diversify what is otherwise a very undiverse space. A African-American couple comes in and a kind of conversation ensues. He is very excited about them being there. And in the midst of this conversation makes a horrific uh, mistake in saying what something he says. And in essence, that becomes what, you know, the inciting incident for a pretty horrible week that he has. Um, and the novel moves between his life uh, and kind of his social life within this club and then also um, his life at the university, which in a very kind of related way 
uh, a series of kind of events occur which mirror in you know in some similar and some very different ways what he is experiencing and the novel begins on a Sunday evening it climaxes on a Friday evening and then there is uh, an epilogue um, so it, it's just you know in some ways the best way to describe it is one very bad week in the life of Raj Butt. <laughs> well, we have the TC or the tennis club that you yeah. mentioned. Let's talk a little bit about a different club, this sort of, um, oh, the unreliable narrator club <laughs> in literature. I think that Raj uh, Bhatt will figure heavily in this world and join the ranks of like some really memorable, um, unreliable narrators. So in literature, the first person point of view, when the main character is the narrator of the story, um, can be an unreliable narrator either for being deliberately malicious or a liar or something negative or also perhaps just being having a, a slightly less nefarious quality and is maybe just a hapless guy right so mm-hmm. how do you see the character of Raj but in this particular club as this unreliable very memorable unreliable narrator yeah no that's a it is you know the first person is you know, it, it comes with its own perils, you know, that it is, that there is nothing in, you know, uh, there, there, there's no point of view outside of that first person to kind of poke holes, except, you know, the the other characters that the first person in some ways introduces or comes uh, into contact with. Uh, but to this question about his, um, about his unreliableness, right? One of the things that I thought very hard about was what discipline to give him, right? Meaning that, do do I make him a historian? Do I make him a literary critic? Do I make him an anthropologist? And one of the reasons that I landed on kind of the anthropologist is because on one level, what he is doing is he is writing or kind of experiencing an ethnography of this life around him, the class differences, the ways in which race operates, the ways in which the modern university or one aspect of the modern university operates. So on that level, Raj is, you know, incredibly observant. And one of the things particularly about Raj is that the kind of observational acumen that he can bring to the world outside is oftentimes an observational document that he cannot bring to himself, right? And so that that is that becomes one of the the aspects of his unreliableness, where you know one of the ways in which you could describe him is his inability to get out of his own way, for him to recognize that he is often in his own way, and yet he is <laughs> incapable of stepping aside. And so that that was kind of a part of his unreliableness that I was interested in. The the kind of related thing I will say about kind of unreliableness here is that what I also wanted to do, and this is one of the reasons I chose the first person, is that I wanted to give a character like Raj Bhatt, right, an Indian American character, a brown character, an opportunity on these pages to exist in all his inconsistencies, all his conflicts, all the ways in which he is kind of 
the the individual, the human he is on his page, on this page. And so in order to kind of create that fullness, he had to be reliable and unreliable all at the same time. And this is a campus novel too. I mean, it's a, it's an academic novel. You mentioned that before. There's this whole genre of literary fiction unto itself of these works. So as someone who's been in this world most of my life, myself, as a, yeah. as a student, and then on the other side of the desk for far longer, for uh, some 30 years as a, a teacher, I have a lot of strong feelings about campus novels. They can be really somber stories, but they can be really rather humorous too. And they put professors in situations that are dark and serious or they're, or else kind of absurd and kind of crazy. But I appreciate sort of the happy medium of Raj's situation, even though these supposed offenses of his right are things that could happen to a lot of us, not just to an academic person, but uh, to a lot of us. These kinds of situations move from this tennis club scene then to the campus, and that ramps up the seriousness for me, certainly, <laughs> and the stress for him and the tension just grows. So you're a professor. How did you draw on your own experiences to create Raj's world and also these struggles that we see in the novel? Yeah. You know, um, I mean, so a, a couple of things about that. And, you know, I think the, the first point that you make about the campus novel, right, which is on one level, I am a huge fan of campus novels. I have been reading them for a long time. They are fun, you know, and I think you're right, right, that in some ways they they tend, that there's that these two kind of sides of it, right, which is they tend to be humorous and almost kind of satirical to the overly somber, right, where it is this kind of, this character living this kind of lone life w within the pursuit. Uh, and usually it is, a, you know, not always, but his Kind of, kind of academic pursuits. And so part of what I wanted to do was I, I wanted to kind of reshape that campus novel in two ways, right? Which is, um, first of all, I wanted to color the, that, that, that genre, right? Which is, I wanted to think about if so many of these novels are about certain kinds of midlife crises that occur, what happens when that midlife crisis in a certain way is a kind of is is a racial crisis as well right is it is kind of that that becomes a central part of the the moment he is having so that is the one aspect of what i was trying to do there um in terms of kind of my own experiences with it and kind of bringing my own experiences to all of this which is you know i have i realize spent most of my adult life on a university campus. So when I arrived at college, I went to college, I went to graduate school, and I have been teaching. And so in many ways, the university that I've taught at different universities, different types of universities, uh, the university is the social space that I know the best. And I know it as a place of my employment, but it's also an unusual place of employment, right? Because you are engaging with students, young people between the ages of, you know, roughly 17, 18 to 21, 22, right? This, these core moments uh, in their lives. Um, 
so part of what I wanted to do was I wanted to convey some of the love I have of this profession, right? And I think Raj loves the job that he does. He, he you know, at one point he is talking to his colleague uh, Cliff, and Cliff, who is this very kind of brilliant writer, and he said, you know, I, I had come to terms with the fact that Cliff was kind of produced work, and I was good at conveying that that genius. And mm-hmm. he kind of recognizes some of his own failures in producing work, and so feels very comfortable on one level with kind of what he is good at. And I think I wanted to bring that particular um, aspect of my experience there. The third point, or kind of the related point I wanted to make to this, is that I also wanted to make it very clear that Raj Butt is a lecturer. And uh, in the very specific way in which there are types of hierarchies in the university. And I wanted him to feel the kind of insecurity within that space that he feels in different ways in other parts of his life, right? So that that is also the, the departure I wanted to take with this in terms of the campus novel, that it explore that particular reality of what our universities look like in the current moment, right? In a way that they didn't look similar 40, 50 years ago, or even, you know, 20, 30 years ago. Yeah, I absolutely can see that. It's a very singular type of campus novel because of the the character of Raj. And so at the same time that he himself has had to endure his share of uh, of racism, the idea that when that one woman gets his name wrong or with her effusive attention to him, she's saying that she somehow, as he says, as the character says, loved all of the one billion people in India. You know, and maybe those are the more innocuous examples, but he's someone who has had his share of the same things that he's now under the microscope for. So he's just such a um, a rich and complicated character to me. Um, in in that, you know, these inconsistencies that you talk about that he's trying to work out. He also talks about how he, quote, didn't know how to manage a situation that everyone around him seemed to inhabit so effortlessly and how having a very small footprint was his key to survival. My gosh, like that is so human and so resonant for just about anybody who, you know, has nothing to do with being a college professor, right? Um so there's all, all of these very human, uh, rich human characteristics about Raj that I really appreciate as well. Yeah. No, it, it is in, 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 in that way, you know, a part of the, the crisis that Raj is feeling, right? That, I mean, that line that you use, which is, you know, his, his sense constantly that everyone else around him felt so at ease right? The, the <laughs> shoes they were wearing fit so well, right? And in whatever small or big situation in the ocean, in kind of walking around with one group of people, that he feels in some ways the sense that he belongs, but there's a limit to how far that belonging occurs, right? That there is always a moment that the, the sense of tension, the sense of kind of insecurity that he feels is that that belonging can be 
or to kind of use the phrase of the novel, that membership can be revoked at any time. And, you know, here in this novel, I particularly work through that in terms of a conversation around race, and then also a conversation that's related to it kind of within the campus space, right? But I think part of what I'm hoping for when we readers engage with it, right, which is that belonging is, is, a, is, a broad, is a kind of a crisis that I think, as you said, different people feel in all sorts of different scenarios, you know, that that is in, in some ways our, our, our feeling that we are in or outside of a tribe is a fairly kind of uh, universal one there as well. Mm-hmm. And this is why the first person also works so well. I was struck by the idea of nostalgia and memory for him. All of his reveries about Bombay are tinged with nostalgia. You know, he looks at the bougainvillea in the garden and it makes him long for home. His memories about his father's business acumen or, or the gifts that his father has given him, everything is just imbued with this nostalgia. And Raj wonders, what could be the German word, right, for uh, sadness at the heart of unrelenting beauty? That's it. It's it's yes, but it's also this other thing, right? It's we can understand him from our own vantage points, but then we see, I mean, as a campus novel, really with this this character who has his feet in two different worlds, right? Is from two different places. Um, that's a whole other kind of campus novel. I'm not sure I've seen very much. Yeah, no, it, it is. I mean, I think in in many ways, I think. It is one of the the spaces that I would love, kind of, for this novel to occupy, kind of, in, in the sense that I think that the college space is such an important place, kind of, you know, for for, for us, for kind of for for this country, for societies in general, right? Like it is the kind of how you know I teach at a very large public university, and kind of it's this remarkable thing, right, which is kind of the, the, the ways in which kind of social life gets reflected within there, right? And I think that's part of what I wanted to engage in, right, which is to show, of course, the ways in which Raj is kind of feels unsatisfied, feels like he has not achieved what he thought he would, and yet at the same time, kind of what he is most interested in is and for those of us, I think, who've spent our, t- our, our time, and as, as you were saying as well, with students, is that, that those moments become moments of grace, right? Those become moments where real types of exchange occur, um, which is kind of, in some ways, I think, why a lot of us do that, that kind of work, right? The sense of possibility and the sense of growth uh, that is there. I appreciate that, right? Which is about what you were saying about his nostalgia about uh, Bombay, right? Mm-hmm. Because it is this interesting thing, which is, you know, one of the autobiographical lap, uh, overlaps is, you know, I have Raj leaving Bombay when he was eight. I, I myself left Bombay when I was eight. And, you know, when you leave a place at different ages, your relationship to that place is, I mean, in, in some ways this is obvious, is very different, right? So I have older siblings, and, you know, my sisters were older when they left. And so on one hand, they had 
a series of different experiences that they had had as they were growing up uh, as compared to me, right? And so there's a way in which I have a snapshot in my head of seeing the Bougainvillea as I was growing up, right? And to this day, whenever I see Bougainvillea, they are, of course, it, it, it's lovely to see, but it never fails to produce that nostalgia. And, you know, part of kind of what I've been thinking about with this book, but also in kind of more broadly, is, you know, when you leave at that age, what are the kinds of things that are imprinted in you and what do you spend the rest of your adult life trying to, how do you come to terms with that, right? And I think Raj is coming to terms with that. Raj is coming to terms with kind of, you know, both, of course, his father, but also this this place that he's left that he returns to as, a, as, as an older man to do research and finds, of course, that it is certainly not the place that he left behind, that all sorts of different things, all sorts of political violence has engulfed this place that he has always looked through, looked at with such rose-colored glasses. I kept thinking about Raj also as part of um, this, uh, a member of this other group, right, of of novels with these male protagonists. And that, for no reason at all, really, I, I was thinking of, like, for instance, John Updike and his rabbit character. And I mentioned him only as a way to compare Raj to... Um, a character bucking up against, in that case, the constraints of like late modernism, right? Yours is a contemporary yeah. character brushing up against some walls, some other kinds of walls we're all experien experiencing today. Um, not around the pandemic necessarily, right? But we are experiencing now, oh, a society that is woke or waking up to the reality of our social ills and our uh, our will to try in ways good or flawed to fight for racial justice and and equity um, so this the book lands the book releases during the summer it lands in a very special place this particular summer when we're all collectively globally challenged by pandemic waves um, economic downturns the protests um, the, you know, the nominating conventions of the two, our two major political parties coming up. I mean, it's, it's time for books just like this. And I find Raj's efforts to, like, pull himself out of this quicksand really refreshing. It, he's someone who can admit when he's wrong. Uh, I mean, he's done something we've all done. He put his foot in his mouth. And yeah. I wonder how a book like this can be received in July of 2020, right? During times like these, when there are far too many people in positions of power and all around us who are just unapologetic um, or who are surrounded by the messages about how to move the needle of social equity and still here we are, right? How, how have you considered bringing, you could not have, predicted what was going to happen in July of 2020, but how have you been considering that now this novel is coming forth during these unprecedented times? Yeah. No, that, it, is, I, I, it is something I have been thinking about a lot these past couple of months, right? Like, on, on one hand, thinking just about this, this moment, this list that you were making as you were making 
is remarkable, right? Which is meaning that if you, you wrote it down as a list in terms of, um, you know, of something to happen in these months in 2020, right? Novelistically, it might seem too much, right? But of course, historically, when we look at it now and when we look back on it, the connections and the relationship between all of this stuff uh, seems to make perfect sense. Mm -hmm. Now, the relationship kind of between, so that it seems to me the the national conversation that we are have been having, but now are explicitly having, right, is such an important, profound one, right? Meaning that there is these conversations on the ways in which race has operated in this country, and particularly the ways in which kind of a particular relationship to African-American history. And what I kind of, how I would like to think about this novel in relationship to it, right, which is that what we are engaged in is a kind of very specific conversation about race, but then also a broader conversation about um, this kind of these relationships that we have been talking about. So that there is, in many ways, these kind of multi kind of racial narratives that are embedded within this, right? Because, you know, several months before, and I think continuing on, uh, we were very rightfully talking about the kind of anti-Asian racism that was in the middle of COVID, right? Which is the ways in which that was operating. And so I think that what I'm hoping that this book kind of edges us towards is this kind of larger reckoning, right? That this book, of course, is uh, not about the kinds of profound violence that we are kind of seeing kind of on those videotape, uh, uh, those phone recordings, right? That we saw in Minnesota of with the police and, um, and George Floyd. But what it is trying to do is to say the ways in which, or show the ways in which race operates in kind of some of these kind of smaller moments and moments that feel small as they're occurring. But part of what the novel is trying to show is that once they begin to accrue, once they begin to gather, once they begin to become a snowball, they become much kind of larger, right? And that is in some ways kind of, I'm not going to give it away, one of the ways in which kind of the climactic scene in this novel operates, right? Which is to say, this is what this collection of experiences that Raj has uh, kind of leads him to. And those are the kind of larger ways in which I thought that this would kind of, you know, in a very small, humble way, kind of add to this larger conversation and what uh, that relationship looks like. Samir Pandya, thank you so much for talking to us today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Samir Pandya is the author of Members Only. He's also the author of the story collection, The Blind Writer, which was long listed for the Penn Open Book Award. His fiction, commentary, and cultural criticism has appeared in a range of publications, including The Atlantic, Salon, Sports Illustrated, ESPN, and Narrative Magazine. He's an assistant professor in the Department of Asian American Studies at the University of California, Santa Barbara. 
This has been Book Public, a Texas public radio podcast about books. Is there a book or author you'd like to hear about on Book Public? Let us know. You can write to us at bookpublic at tpr.org. You can subscribe to our podcast on Apple or Spotify or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Jacob Rosati composed our theme music. We had production help from Ben Henry. Dan Katz is Texas Public Radio's news director. I'm Yvette Benavides. Thank you.